Welcome to Kodachi for Three, a bi-weekly podcast where three friends and passionate players discuss the world of Wraith. If you're looking for flesh and blood content, we've got it. Focusing on competitive play, community building, and yes, going off on plenty of tangents. From our favorite casual builds to the market, nothing is off limits. So sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for Kodachi for Three. All right, welcome to Kodachi for Three. Today, we are your hosts. I am Adam. I'm Drayden. And today, we're looking to have a pretty focused guide put out to our listeners. Uh, We want to help you guys going into the Farewell to Wraith events that are going to be happening this weekend. I believe it's the weekend of the 24th. I think that's the Monday of this week. But it is the upcoming week that this episode will come out. We know that many of you have joined the game like we did just after Welcome to Wraith or even just into Tales of Aria and haven't done a lot of draft practice or limited practice with the early sets. And so today's format will consist of myself presenting a WTR draft priority list that cover cards fitting into like early pack one picks um, and then diving into more established draft list for once you've kind of said, I'm going to play a warrior today, I'm going to play a guardian today, I'm going to play a brute today what you should then be prioritizing in your draft packs. Uh, Drayton's going to lend his considerable expertise here. Uh, we're going to say he's ranked about fifth in the world for limited play. understand this is not for Welcome to Wraith, so don't hold him to too high of a standard, uh, but he's a great player, and so he's going to be able to help a lot with the explanation of cards here and useful synergies, as well as letting me know where he thinks, you know, I'm probably an idiot and not including things correctly or not or overvaluing cards. So let's say that it's important to say when I made these lists, I intentionally left out a lot of the super rare, majestic, and legendary rarities. It's for a few reasons, but most of them fall into the auto-pick category. If you see a legendary card, you should probably just draft it. Especially these are casual events, and you should just take a legendary. In many cases, it would at least be worth denying your opponent that. Yeah, I do want to like talk a little bit to that, um, just because... Yeah. So one common mistake I see with people having Aram who are new to drafting in Flesh and Blood is sometimes you have to pivot. Like you'll be like, oh man, this class is oversaturated. And if you realize that really early on, you have the room to pivot to a different hero. But depending on when you pivot and how saturated that hero is as well, or if multiple people pivot to that hero because they're thinking the same thing as you, you can open these weird options where um, basically it's hard to get the 30 cards you need to play a limited game and so you really want to be considering how many cards do you have to make your deck with when making those types of choices so while i agree with adam's assessment like hey if you see like a route or another power card that you think could absolutely destroy you it's a really good option to hate draft it even if you're not on that hero it's even better if you are on that hero but let's say you're going brute and you see you open your pack three and you're on you see a route in there I mean, if you're like, man, I can either take this route, I can take this route, but I might not get my 30 cards. I might still go for a brute card and pass it around just because A, it's not the most expensive card, and B, it's a route that's going to be annoying, but it might not be my problem. So there's a decent chance that I don't play that against that route all day long. And you know what? If I don't play against that route all day long, it doesn't affect my draft so much. You know, that's not to say that it's not a good option to hate draft ever, but make sure you're thinking about your deck as well when you're doing these things. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an absolutely excellent point. Um, honestly, 
if you're hate drafting that route and you're not making a 30 card deck, you're probably not playing that deck because you're also probably not doing very well. If you're drafting cracked bobbles at the end of the day, it's you're already playing from behind, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, part part of what helped me win my top eight match at the Dallas Calling was the fact that my opponent had cracked bobbles in his deck and I did not. So. I mean, that was pretty much the only reason, one of the big reasons why I won that match. Not saying the only reason, but it was definitely a big factor, and it could have been the only reason, because there were two hands where he just couldn't block. Yeah, and it absolutely proves that even high-level players are prone to occasionally either over overdrafting on hate cards or over-prioritizing, meaning getting into that tunnel vision and not pivoting like you mentioned early there. Um, so those things are absolutely good to first and foremost mention, is like keep those in your brain. This is a you-focused thing. And you cannot like get into that sunk cost fallacy and say, well, I've already picked all of these things, and so I have to keep doing it. Exactly. All right, so I will briefly do my build around auto picks here. Um, this is not something we're going to dive deep into these cards. They're pretty basic, so all the legendaries, I think, are build around cards. I said Brute was a little lower of a build around card. Brute's Legendary is great. It blocks for two and then for one, so you're getting three effective health out of it. But in Limited, I basically see it as three effective health. You're rarely able to build a deck that consistently is able to use the additional action points you might gain from it. And since you have no way to mitigate its luck and you can roll a one and lose your turn, you are much more likely to harm yourself without gambler's gloves and things of that nature which which just don't exist in the format so i don't know how you feel about that one drayton no i i definitely agree that i feel like the brute card is legendary is probably the weakest um i personally feel like the guardian one is actually the strongest because it turns a lot of the cards that really are hard to play in limited to be very playable so if you see one early you can start drafting and really cool guardian plan that could be hyper aggressive uh but as we said i think three extra life that you can block hit effects with is pretty critical in limited so i I still think that like if you get one early it's worth trying to like force into it especially because brute is probably one of the lesser picked classes in limited just because people are always scared of the discard effect yeah yeah and in We've played several drafts recently of this set, and I absolutely could have been wide open on Brute every single time. So, especially if I forced out hard early. The other things that I put build around auto pick, there are a lot of warrior cards here. Um, I'm a little prone to liking warriors, so I will admit that early. But Steelblade Supremacy is a massive card, card draw and buff for the entire turn. There's not as much go again in limited. Uh, but it's still a solid card. Route, it's a great blowout card. There's not a whole lot of things that people can do to Route in Limited, so they have to assume that you have it, and assuming that you have Route in Limited is already a hard thing to play around. Plus three and pop a card back in your hand, often a six damage swing. And then you've got um, Singing Steel Blade, which calls any of your other def- uh, attack reactions to you uh, for an additional one cost, plus buffs the attack itself. All very, very solid cards. All make a massive difference. I did not list a couple of other Majestics in the Warrior, but but those are big deals. Uh, and then basically all your class specializations are in here. Your Crippling Crushes, your Alpha Rampages, things of that nature are kind of in the must-pick category. Um, I think one Majestic that you can definitely like go to the wayside is actually um, Lord of Wind. Um, it's a good, solid Ninja card, even by itself because it's a blue, it's a zero, it comes in for two. But 
you have to see Mugenshin release in order to really fill out that combo line, and it's probably just not going to happen. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, I think the main ninja card for Majestics that you really want to be looking for is probably that um, Ancestral Empowerment. So that way you know that you can kind of pump over and then still draw a card. It's just such a powerful powerhouse card in a limited space. I think that it's just very solid. Yeah, I agree. Um, the only other ninja card that I thought about as a auto pick was uh, Hurricane Technique, just being a super rare there instead of a Majestic, but also just because of its ability to be card efficient, potentially come back to hand. Uh, it's easy to find that combo line, and it's a combo line you want to draft a lot as is. Um, I can agree with that. Um, Hurricane Technique, I think, is just a good card in general. I mean, it's one for four, and it has the combo stuff as well. So, And it's yellow, yeah. so yellow is a good color. Um, I don't hate it. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I definitely think that n there are other hate draft cards for you to take if you see ninjas like prioritized on your table. Um, and we can talk about those more here in a minute. Yeah, we're about to dive into them. The only other card I will mention here in the Build Around Auto Pick, uh, it's just... I think there's undisputably an auto-pick card. It's Enlightened Strike. There's not a single deck that you could put it in that it would be worse for. Um, literally any deck that you could put Enlightened Strike in in a limited format here would be better for it. So kind of end there, I think, for that, unless you disagree. No, that's good. Just everyone just saw my cat flash across the screen because, uh, yeah. At least he's adorable. That's all that really matters. She sure <laughs> is. Okay, so we'll get to the next set here. Uh, this is basically going to be your pack one, pick one priority, right? Uh, so I do want to mention that if you're later into it, if you're later into the draft, we're pack, midway through pack two, these picks are going to shift based on what you already have in your deck. So do keep that in mind. All of the stuff that we're giving you are early picks until we move into the classes. And then once we moved into the classes, those are going to be much more throughout your entire draft, drafting these cards will be good. That being said, if we go in and we say it's best to have blue Wrecker Romps in your Brute deck, and you already have five of them, you should probably stop drafting them. So do do keep that in mind as well. There is always a line on how many of a specific card you're going to want and how well it's going to fit into your deck without other synergies. Uh, so without further ado, we'll move into the generic pack one pick ones or the generic early picks. I started, and we're going to list 15 of each of these for people, so let's keep that in mind. We'll move through some of them quickly because I have uh, colors split out in some certain cases. So the first one I have, Drone of Brutality. Uh, I listed all colors here, and I'm combining them into draft pick one. Drone of Brutality is an amazing card. It was the first card ever in Flesh and Blood to be banned, and if that doesn't say anything to you, I don't know what will. It's extraordinarily efficient. Uh, at red, it's a 2 for 6, which is not terrible. It defends for 2, and even at blue, it has a breakpoint attack at 2 for 4. Uh, the best thing about the card, though, is you can toss it up there for defense, toss it out there for attack at any given time, and it hurts you not at all. Uh, it goes right back to the bottom of your deck, and so if you're going to play a fatigue-style deck or play against a fatigue-style deck, which often happens in limited, it's it's amazing. Yep. It it helps prevent those effects, so it's it's a really solid card. Um, if you see one in your opening pack, I would honestly just take it. Even if you don't okay. know how to use it efficiently, you're not planning on playing it, you're still denying it from your opponents. And it goes in every deck, so... 
Yep, can't go wrong. A lot of a lot of these are. That's why we're listening to generics first, right? Goes in every deck for the most part. All right, second thing, uh, I think defense reactions are extraordinarily important in a limited format, especially a limited format with a brute or not a brute, sorry, a guardian, which is going to come over with a lot of dominated attacks. So I've listed your sink below red here. I did only list red in this particular instance because uh, it's a four strength, which uh, handles pummels. So I'm typically holding that kind of thing for a pummel in limited. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think that you can prioritize defense reactions. Now, I think, like, if you, like, if you're, like, in the middle of your early picks and you're thinking that you're going to have a more aggressive game plan, um, I think you, you're not hurt by taking defense reactions as much as you would be in a constructed format, but I definitely think that, like, if you see something like, um, a Scar first Scar, which is also on our, our list a little bit further down, um, which we'll get to in a minute, I think that you might end up picking, like, a Red Scar first Scar over a Red Sink Below in that mind space, so, like, you know, big thing to remember is that, like, well, you know, there is, we're giving a list here. It, it's not a hard and fast thing. You're going to have to think a little bit about what's really synergizing with your own deck and what you need to prioritize, especially in these early stages. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. I mean, it is important to have people think about this and not just take our top 15, put it in front of them, and draft them. Then again, if you're brand new um, or if you're just, just confused, I, ho I hope it does help, right? right. Uh, let's move into number three. Number three, Snapdragon Scalers. Uh, so I know a lot of people traditionally think of this as like a ninja card or might have seen it in a chain matchup or something of that nature. Turns out Snapdragon Scalers is good. Turns out Go Again, Go Wide is good, especially in Limited where there's just not a lot of options. Um, and I could not think of a single deck that cannot utilize Snapdragon Scalers at one point throughout the match. Sure, Brute wants mostly six attacks that are not going to trigger off of this, but... I'll put in Winding Blows with a zero cost all day. Well, there's even Brute Generic cards that have cost one, and so you can try your Snapdragon Scalers off of those Brute cards. Um, you know, you might have to have a, a setup to really get it to sing, but it's definitely possible. Um, mm -hmm. And also, on that note, even Guardian sometimes has to pick a blue or two that are zero cost attacks, um, so they can get it going. Um, I would say that, like, it probably drops down a little bit if you're thinking about going Guardian and or thinking about going um, Dorinthia because Dorinthia has better boots that she can draft. But, you know, it, it's definitely not a bad pick. Again, it's denying it from the rest of the members of your table who probably do want it as well. So I definitely think it's a solid pick overall. Again, warning to our newer players, of be, be careful when drafting equipment. It's not to say that equipment drafting is bad to do. It's very, very strong, and it's because basically what you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, you have 30 cards in your deck and are efficient. I'm going to have 35 cards in my deck and be just as efficient um, when you hit all your equipment right. So, you know, definitely equipment's super strong, but you still have to be cognizant of what are you giving up to draft that equipment. Yep, absolutely. All right, so moving right along, number four for me was number number four for me was unmovable, and the unmovable here I listed blue and yellow. I am not a huge fan of the red unmovable in the format. I think it really just starves me of resources on a defensive card that already is costing three. Uh, but unmovable is great for all kinds of defense reactions, pushovers, pummels, things of that nature. Um, I think, like, depending on your strategy, you can definitely pull the red. But I do think that the yellow and blue are probably your stronger, too. And definitely, 
again, even as I said earlier, if you're on that aggro strategy, pulling some defense reactions still helps you because it's denying it from the table, and also having a few in your deck does not necessarily hurt you overall. So make sure you're considering that you need to be a little more flexible and limited, and not necessarily just hard committed to one game plan. Sometimes somebody's going to have a slightly better deck than you, and you're going to have to um, flip strategies mid-game. Somebody with a better deck than me, that's just nonsense. I, no, no one can just ever naturally pull all the right cards. That would never happen. There is no element of luck there whatsoever. It does occasionally happen, unfortunately. Uh, let's talk about some more variance mitigation here in number five then. So I see Heart and Crossstrap as one of the best pieces of equipment here. Uh, for If for no other reason, it is two resources at one point when you need it during a game. Uh, there's no class that can't use this. There's no class that doesn't want this. Uh, even if you only have one cost attacks, it's still one resource you're not going to use. Couldn't agree more. It turns this one card hand into suddenly I can swing for a big attack. It's it's a great card to have. Um, I love it most in Guardian because it really like fixes certain hand situations. But yeah, I know it's it's just a good card to have. Yeah, I mean, I, d I did use it in my last ninja deck that, that ended up winning. I heart and cross strapped a uh, open the center. For the for the win and uh, open the center is hard for me to play out of that deck a lot of times so all right number six red scar for a scar it's free it occasionally has go again it does four damage its biggest downside is it only blocks for two but yeah I, I, I never see a problem here no I mean there was a weird draft where I ended up with several scar for scars I think two of them were red in a Bravo deck, and it turns out when you get to swing for four, swing for four again, um, that's a pretty decent attack line out of Guardian. So, yeah, no, it, it definitely can do things um, obviously better in your Ninjas and Dorinthias and even your, well, not as much your Brutes, but it's still just a solid card overall because you can play it before having to do your other things. Yeah, it forces people to play around health health targets as yeah. well, which is something I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. It's a good comeback mechanic in Limited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's also move down, and so let's talk about another uh, high-efficiency card here, so Snatch. Uh, I listed Snatch here. I only listed the red. Again, I'm listing the cards with breakpoints for the most part, and when I mention breakpoints, I just mean that would require more than one card to defend uh, or leak damage. Snatch, of course, uh, some draw card draw here. Yeah, um, I mean, your most efficient use of Snatch in limited is going to be um, to basically finish some, a turn with it. You're usually not going to be able to guarantee it go again. You're just not going to be able to efficiently control that aspect of it. So you're really wanting to do is threaten, hey, make your turn worse or I'm going to get an arsenal. Um, now be careful when doing that because even if they let it hit, know that you might not want to put that card in arsenal. I recently had that experience where I put a card in Arsenal, I shouldn't have put an Arsenal, and it literally was the difference between me winning the game and not losing the game because I could not block with it. It was that simple of a thing of I just needed two more block and I would have won the game. Um, so, like, you have to be careful about those types of things. Um, similar thing of being on the other end, if like if you're like, man, if I block this, I'm just hosed, but if I don't block this and he doesn't, and he kind of whiffs, then I can just, like, take control of this game it sometimes might be worth the risk because there is a good chance they will whiff and they'll pull blue that they just really can't afford to throw into Arsenal. So, you know, consider those things when you're in your matches as well when you see this either going out for you or coming at you as a player. Yeah, it's, that's that's good note. 
I often, again, yeah, like you said, use it for Arsenal. So so that that is my reason for, for ranking it up here. Getting five card hands is so huge, but getting the wrong five card hand just have, has a dead card. So completely agreed. All right, um, number eight for me here was Razor Reflex. Uh, I chose the red one here. I don't tend to draft the blue or the yellow. I don't hate blue or yellow here, but uh, the three extra damage, especially on something like a Kadachi or a weapon, um, like a Dorinthia's Blade, is a big deal. Uh, if for no other reason, it also gives you that much needed go again on some of the attack action cards in the game. Uh, so plus three attack reactions that somebody has to play around just for a cheap one. I love it. Um, I think yellow is just as fine in limited because it's a lot harder to get those nice, clean block points. Um, like you're not usually putting out two, three cards to block as much in limited because those are your strong cards. Those are your class cards usually. Um, so it's a lot harder to get like those big blocks um, when you're just blocking over a break point. So even the yellow is going to get around a lot of things because if you're coming for good time. Most of the time, they're probably blocking for force. That yellow region reflex is not only go again, but it's probably plus two damage. So I think the yellow, maybe even the blue in a pinch, could be really solid to draft. Um, but I definitely think the yellow gets a lot more value in limited than um, it does in constructed, which is what we're used to seeing those things in. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, so I, I'm staying with the theme of go again here. I, I, if you can't tell, I, I value go again a lot in limited. Uh, so I went with Flock of the Featherwalkers here. And so Flock of the Featherwalkers, I still also went with red. Uh, I believe it is a one for five. I probably should have put that up in front of me. Uh, but it is a one for five, making it a fairly cost-efficient attack. It can be played out of any class, and then it gives you that quicken token, uh, which allows when next time you play an attack action card or attack with a weapon, you destroy it and you have go again. So it's building in a, a future turn with go again. And that tends to be very, very valuable here. You can often finish opponents that way. Now, it is... Uh, or set up massive damage. It is important to note that you have to reveal a one or zero cost card when playing Flock of the Featherwalkers. So that can be difficult for some of these other decks. So keep that in mind when drafting. If you decide to include it later, um, it definitely can be a lot trickier of a card to get off than you might think initially. So just be careful is really the point there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I have had people attempt to play the card and then not be able to reveal a card, just just missing that in their draft. Um, very fair point. Uh, number 10 is another equipment for me. Uh, so I picked the Goliath Gauntlet here. Uh, Goliath Gauntlet being plus two, uh, plus two damage to your next attack. It's It doesn't affect every single card in the game, of course. That is a restriction of it, but that being said, I think there's enough cards that any class is going to be drafting that it's worth having. Um, so I went ahead and put it in here. I think an extra plus two damage at the right scenario is is always going to be huge. Oh, breakpoints are important, as we've already established. All right, keeping it easy then. Uh, we'll move to Sigil of Solace Red for, for number 11. Uh, I tend to only draft reds here as well. So again, I'm focusing a lot of red. Red heals three, but this card doesn't block at all. So it really hurts me to have a card that doesn't block um any yellow or a blue unless i just really need the pitch value and so i will only only draft the yellow or the blue if i need the pitch value um i can see the blue being good in like a ninja deck um it is a zero cost card so it doesn't go nicely into their pitch um they're never going to mind having to have that one card for pitch pretty much the whole game that being said it could end up killing them because again like you said it doesn't block uh i i will say that 
Sigil of Solace for me um, feels a little bit of like a sideboard card for specific matchups, namely versus Ninja, where you're more prone to that Kadachi lock if you don't have the right health because you just can't block them efficiently. They're just so hard to block efficiently. So you're thinking, uh, actually not one of your draft cards? Uh, or... Probably not. Now, if I see a red one, I might grab it early. Um, but it's just a lot of these... Like, I'm fine with it versus Brute. I'm less fine with it versus Guardian and um, Warrior. So it's like a 50-50 card for me. Because Guardian and Warrior have those hit effects. So a card that doesn't block, even if it does in a way block for three just really hurts that game plan of, hey, I need to prevent you from touching me at all. Um, again, slightly less of a problem versus Guardian because as long as I block out up to four of it, I'm fine on your attack. But Guardian, if you even tickle me, sometimes you get all those hit effects, and that can be really bad for me. So, I mean, it's less yeah, less of fair. an issue in Limited because there are less hit effects overall, but I do think it's definitely something to be cognizant of that I might lower its value a little bit. Um, just because of that. Um, actually, there's a nice segue into our next card, because I would def I probably would have put the, um, even the red version of this card a lot higher up on my list, personally, which is Raging Onslaught. Okay. So you mentioned Raging Onslaught Blue. Um, so Raging Onslaught being just a generic attack, cost three, blue comes in for five, red comes in for seven, but it blocks for three. Um, I mean, seven being a huge break point that any class is, every class is going to have blues in their deck probably more than they normally would. And so being able to just like say, okay, I blocked with two cards. Now I'm coming in for seven or even in a pinch, Hey, I'm blocking with three cards and this one's a three, even though it's a generic. Again, those three block cards are a lot harder to come by and limited. So I think that raging onslaught overall is just a really strong card. Yeah, I mean, I did honestly include it a lot because of the block three in a generic. Um, that was that was a lot of my reasoning. So I won't add anything to that, really. And uh, we'll move on. The next one doesn't require a whole lot of conversation. It's another flock of the Featherwalkers. I just put the yellow version lower on the list. So I'm going to skip over that. That's 13. I went to Wounded Bull next. Uh, this one I really... I, I struggled with this one, I feel like, but Wounded Bull is something that is... Basically, if I draft a Wounded Bull first, it's a rough pack, but I think it's a very solid attack. Yeah, I think any of your big red attacks um, are fine to consider, because even if your game plan is not big attacks, um, sometimes you have an awkward hand as during thing, and you're like, man, I can't really make a lot work with this, but if you have a big attack in there... Um, like Wounded Bull, Raging Onslaught, and you have a blue, guess what you get to do? You get to put a lot of pressure on your opponent. Because, I mean, this is, this is why, and this is fair warning for those of you who are newer to the set, this is why Dra Bravo is so heavily drafted in this set, is because his ability to just consistently swing for six is pretty high because um, of his hammer. Um, he can Bravo ability, not use it, and then just swing the hammer, and that's two cards in his pitch that usually cost three or more. So when you're able to do that type of game plan, um, it can be very devastating. So yeah, I, I I agree that like these big red attacks, I wouldn't necessarily say exactly wound and blow. I think that there are others. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of that's slipping my mind. Um, I think it's it's not barraging bighorn because that's actually a brute card, but it looks like brute, yeah. barraging. 
it looks like a brute card, but it's a generic. Um, Barraging Bronhide. I think, yeah, that's what it is. Um, pretty much similar thing to Wounding Bull, um, or Wounded Bull, but, yeah. I, I only picked this one, um, just because if you're lower on health, it's easier to have that lower on health catch-up mechanism to go to 8. Barraging Bronhide requires, uh, somebody to defend with less than 2 cards to get plus 1, but you could consider that a good thing, right, that they're defending with 2 to, to lower the strength of that attack. Exactly. I just found that to be a lot more, a lot more often that it's turned off. Uh, it's the only reason I picked this over. Oh, it. for sure, I agree. All right, last thing. Not exciting, but it's an iron rot helm. I mean, turns out one extra. Yeah, I think any iron rot is way, way more valuable than people give it credit in uh, the set. Um, I know I had games last draft we did where if I had one more piece of iron rot. It would have been the difference. Um, literally that same game where I lost because I arsenal a card. Had I had a piece of iron rot, that also would have been enough where I would have not died and I would have been able to win the game because I would have taken the tempo right at the critical moment. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely worth considering those types of things. Um, I, I tend to find that games are very close, especially competitive games of uh, of a draft version of Welcome to Wraith, and so yeah, the one health is is often very very relevant, or often very relevant in turning off a crush effect or something of that nature that you really need to happen. Uh, I put the helmet instead of the others just because I feel like helmet has the least viable additional options. Hope Merchant's Hood is for specific classes in my mind, um, like a brute or a warrior uh, to trade out cards, and so I find Ironrot Helm to be the one that I'm. I'm using the most often, and I'm never sad to have that, whereas some classes, if I end up pushing on that, like it ends up being a duplicate because I'll always take Refraction Bolters. I'll always take um, the Guardian's Helm instead. That's fair. I was, I was okay. about to say you kind of just countered your own point there. I, 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 I slapped <laughs> myself in the face with it. I just like, you know, I made an argument against myself. It's terrible. Uh, Drayton, if you don't disagree and you would like to talk more, you can do the best early class cards. Yeah, okay, so um, I'll jump into some of these, and then I can talk about ones that I may or may not disagree with. Um, okay. So, I definitely think Refraction Bolters, um, just even as a denial, are pretty big to grab early. Um, I definitely saw your 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 tendency towards Warrior here in your list as uh, the next one. Number two is Warrior Valor of colors. all colors. I'm just going to point that to everybody of all colors. Um, but, but, I, uh, but I tend to agree that Warrior's <laughs> Valor in Dorinthia is probably her best card in Limited just because if they don't respect it, you get to get a Dawnblade token most likely. And that's terrifying in Limited because we already talked about how it's hard to like have three block cards in Limited. And now you need them in order to probably block out an attack um more yeah i'll take two cards for you to remove my dog more, more on the craziness that dorinthia can actually do in limited later because i have some weirder points this. now i want to talk about your next two which were leg tap and flick flack red um so i don't see anywhere on this list um head jab and while i tend to agree that the leg tap line is the better combo line I think Head Jab may be one of the better just straight up early cards out of Ninja. And the reason for that is it synergizes with Kodachi. It costs nothing and has inbuilt go again. So even if you're planning on going the he leg tap line in your attack combo, 
you might be like, oh, well, I have this redhead job. Let me throw that out first. Okay, now they've gotten rid of a card. Let me come in with my leg tap line and actually do some real damage and also Kadachi them in the face. And also, you know, that's it's the type of it's the fuel on the fire type thing. So, well, I, I agree that leg tap is definitely the stronger overall card and definitely require should be higher up on the list. Um, I was shocked to see that there was no head jabbing going on there because head jabs still damage unless you block it. And so a card for a card trade in limited is pretty good, um, especially one that has go again built into it. Yeah, I'm I'm not disagreeing. If if I'm fighting with another ninja for cards, which I typically feel like I am, um, I do try to push people out of the kick line instead. Um, more because I'm I'm often drafting a lot of the number two kick line, the rising knee thrust, whereas I just don't really want to draft many open the centers. Mm -hmm. Open the centers a finisher for me in this particular format, but. That's the reason I did it. I'm not saying it's right. Oh, I, I get it. Um, moving down the list, just to keep things moving. Um, staunch response, you only had blue. Um, I personally like drafting all the colors, especially if you're planning on going a more fatigue game plan um, with Guardian. Um, and this really leans into the fact that, if especially for people who are coming from Tails draft, um, a trap that a lot of people fall into is they're like, oh, it's a Guardian. It's going to be naturally better at defending. Well, Bravo doesn't have a defense reaction on a stick built into him. So it turns out he's not just innately better at blocking. He has to have the right tools. So you need things like staunch responses, sinks, blows, unmovables, in order to actually make yourself more efficient. Drones of brutality. Otherwise, you will actually get fatigue just from blocking. So key thing to keep in mind when playing Guardian in this set is that he's not old him. He will never be old him. Yeah, and limited, he does big swings. His efficiency is his hammer. Yeah. Um, barraging beat down all colors. It's super good, especially if you're going to go into brute. And like we said, brute usually an underdrafted hero, so easy to jump into. Um, sharpened steel, amazing card out of where I honestly like all the colors personally, because again, plus two is a lot stronger in um, limited. And then blues, you need blues, so I think that all of them are super solid. Um, plus it's zero, so. Me saying, oh man, I have this awkwardly blue hand. Well, I can still make this Dawn Blade a four by paying nothing. Um, could be really good. So I think that it actually gets some more extra value and limited, in my opinion, to all of them. Um, yeah, Rising Knee Thrust, like you said, with the wanting to go that um, leg tap line. I think all the colors are really good. Um, red's actually my least favorite power or color of Rising Knee Thrust, but I think zero for three is still strong um, okay. and limited. So I did pick red first there. I feel like the other two are just too weak. Um, I think what Ninja suffers from is drafting a lot of Kadachi lock cards and not having the power to push damage. That's fair, but the thing is is that the yellow one actually comes in for four, which is that breakpoint that we talked about. Assuming you've got the combo yeah. line, right? But the thing is, is that Rising Knee Red only comes in for three, which again, does require a one-card block most of the time. Now again, limited. Mm -hmm. That breakpoint changes up a little bit. It's a little more flexible. But um, I, I just think that yellow yellows give you fuel, which, you know, even ninja cards cost resources. And if you fill up too much on red, uh, you, you won't be able to play any of your cards. And you do need to be pushing with Kadachis because while, while yes, like you don't want your only game plan to be Kadachis, your opponent can't block all your Kadachis. So that is inherently part of your game plan so you do need to be able to like kadachi kadachi do a thing kadachi kadachi do a thing that's your consistent game plan of what you want to be doing 
um, yeah. minimalistically. If you're getting to do more yeah, combo I mean, line things, that's excellent. But otherwise, you're you're never gonna get them to a game state where you're actually going to be able where pushing through damage even matters. That's fair. I, I still see this as an enabler. You can still pitch it as a zero cost to give your go again uh, if you need it, and you know it, it does mitigate a full full red flood hand because you can still play it itself. For oh, free, for so. sure. No, but, but I get where you're coming I, from. I, again, like I. I don't dislike the red. It's just it's my personal least favorite, but that's coming more from constructed Katsu area than necessarily like yeah. a limited mindset. But I also think that even in limited, um, it it fills a similar void of like it just doesn't happen to get to that four break point by itself, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, while still only being a red, um, Iron Song response, terrifying card out of Dorinthia, absolute monster, especially in the red. Um, similar thing though, I think the yellows and blues get more value in limited just because those breakpoints get weirder. Um, Hel yeah, Helm's Lions and Peak, probably one of the most underrated cards in Guardian. I mean, I've seen Guardians who were on more budget builds who just were like, I don't want to or I can't afford to spring for that um, Arcanite Skullcap, who have used this to extreme value in constructive play, so its ability to do things in limited even more so. Um, it can set up big turns. It can help you block out that last little push. Um, yeah, it can it can just help you turn games around. I love that love that card. Um, Record romp. You put the blues here. I probably would have included the yellows just because it's another resource card that synergizes nice with the brute game plan. Um, yeah, I mean, I completely I completely get get you. I typically do value yellows very very highly in brute. Almost all of them are sixes. Uh, almost all brute stuff costs two that I want to play. There's a very few things that do cost three. Um, the reason I put blue on here instead of anything else is it's a three resource that is a six, right? It's so the it only hits, one. It hits all of my yeah. things, right? Um, you put overpower here, so this would be the one that I probably hum and haw about the most like i like overpower but i feel like i would take a red stroke of foresight before i would ever take a red overpower personally and the reason being three is expensive um you're already to play overpower you already have to swing the dawn blade which is one resource now you're having to pay another three on top of it that means you're bare minimum having to pitch two cards um like he goes, you can't use something like your heart and cross strap on this type of situation. So it becomes very expensive very fast. If you're if you have the tempo, you're controlling the aggression, then yeah, sure you can probably get it off. But at that point, you're probably in the driver's seat and winning anyway. So it feels a little more like a win more card to me. Um, whereas off a two card hand, I can definitely play red for stroke of foresight and that might let me chip in three damage or if they're over blocking, then I don't have to chip in the three damage, right? I can just arsenal it, move on. Um, and it's definitely not going to clog my arsenal. Um, I've just seen too many times where somebody arsenals an overpower and then they never get to arsenal another card because they either can't play the overpower or it's just never the right time. I will say that this is one that I draft very few of. So so while I priority drafted, I draft very few of them. One, maybe two. Uh, I listed red here. Uh, again, I only... Uh, I will do red. I will also do blue here. I will never draft a yellow overpower. Um, I mean, I guess if there's like two cards left and it's one of them. But in general, I would only do red or blue. The reason this card was so valuable to me is a lot of warrior cards lose a lot of their effects when 
you don't have reprise triggers. Um, this one still comes over for an additional four uh, if they don't trigger my reprise. And so a lot of people who are so used to playing against Warrior uh, will, will intentionally not trigger a reprise, but they still have to basically face a, a pummel in my hand. It's a little I, more expensive of a pummel, but still. I get that, but again, if if they're in a place where... If we're in the game play, play where basically both are not respecting each other, um, I think that a red struck of foresight is going to do a similar job, right? It's, they're not blocking, so they were, they were going to be taking three, now they're taking seven. They weren't blocking, so now they're taking six. They're taking one less damage, but it costs you one less resource, so that's probably leading you to arsenaling another card, which still could be helping progress your game plan. And secondly, if you are in that game state where they have to respect you, now struggle for it, and you're having to respect them. So that late game where you're both kind of like operating on those two card hands, overpowered is not playable. Whereas Struck of Foresight is, and so that's why I think I would draft it over um, overpower in the in the early game. That's not to say I wouldn't draft Red Overpower. I love the card. I absolutely would draft it, but I would make sure that I had a deck that could support it before I did. Um, so it'd probably be a later priority draft for me after I know I have a few blues and I've like secured my blue my blue flow that I'm going to need to be able to kind of play that card. Um, I'm like, oh man, I'm operating on like a mostly yellow deck. Suddenly those cards like that, I can't play. Like it's just almost impossible. So yeah, that's at least a, that's at least a good point for, for like, especially for newer players that might not be thinking about all those intricacies. It is, it is likely or possible that maybe that is a bad thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, I think that's a good thought. I like yeah. that. Um, Surging Strike, um, good card. It's just you know your typical ninja card, and then card is clash red, um, which if I'm remembering my crushes right, that's our th three cost for seven out of Guardian. Um, that if it hits for four or more, you have to pay an additional resource on your first action next turn, um, basically giving you a frostbite token. Um, you know the the, these the, like that's your swing back card um you know it's it's very you want some things like that in guardian um the the three cost guardian cards are really really critical to um really keeping up in the guardian game plan because like i said you can't just block as guardian in limited and expect to fatigue out your opponent you have to present some pressure whether that be the hammer whether that be the this cartilage crush you need some of that otherwise your opponent's just gonna sit there and smash into you and you're going to lose if not fatigue out yourself yep completely agree those are all the reasons i got it on there um it's, it's just nice it's efficient three for seven um, for the sake of time, do we want to just do like maybe some top five of the of the class once you're kind of in, committed into it? Class cards. Yeah, I think or... so. I put 15 on each of these, but I will post this list out um, on our Facebook page, and so people can still go and look through it. But I think doing top five on these are completely reasonable. Um, I, I like to do my warrior yeah, one. Yeah, I I would well I would also say like I'd vote that if we've already mentioned a card, maybe we skip and mention some other cards that might be useful. So we're because we've already mentioned several in these best early class picks in that way. Yeah, I mean, of course we won't talk about them, right? Like I might list them, yeah. but I won't I won't talk about them at For all. For sure. Um. Okay. So give us warrior. We'll move into. I said, what? give us warrior. You know you want to. 
I know, I know, I really do. I really do. You, you're taking away like a whole ten cars I wanted to talk about. Like, sad. You gave it um, to so, me. So on each of these, <laughs> I know I did. So on on these uh, warrior class draft, I actually did focus or focus these picks on a very aggressive strategy that intends to swing a buff Dawnblade each turn. Warrior can go wide in limited. Uh, that focuses a lot more on drafting like driving blades, biting blades, and blue resources. Um, that's a more difficult build. I would say that's something that, like, if you're a little more experienced, that you can try out. Um, but if you're a little more experienced, you kind of already have a feel for that build, right? And so I didn't want to cover that here. Uh, I also never call it Glint the Quicksilver in this. It's an auto-draft if you picked Warrior, but it's not one that you'd build around or force the class for. Uh, so in Warrior, Refraction Bolters is number one. Warrior's Valor, all of them, number two. Sharpen Steel Red, number three. Iron Song Red, number four for me. Overpower, I included red and blue here because, again, you do need resources. Lots of point you made earlier. Um, and then we kind of get to the, the cards that are not warrior cards but are selected for it, right? I think Flock of the Featherwalkers, I put red and yellow, but I would also accept blue here because, go again, being able to swing your Dawnblade twice, especially if you ever manage to get a counter on it, is extraordinarily important, right? Um, so Flock of the Featherwalkers fits in very well. This is where I brought in Stroke of Foresight. Uh, I do think Stroke of Foresight is an amazing card for Warrior, um, but I will sometimes take that like that overpower something else to deny it, where I won't take a Stroke of Foresight to deny it. Um, and then we'll go down to Steel Blade, Shunt, and Driving Blade, and then I won't really talk about anything else below this, I guess, uh, unless you have thoughts. Uh, actually, I might talk about Energy Potion. But uh, So Driving Blade is go again. I tend to only only draft the blue version. Uh, it's resources, and it's go-again if I need to, but it's very expensive for a gain-go-again card, and so it's it's really a need of go-again rather than it is a ideal situation for me, especially in this build. And Steel Blade Shunt is a, if you try to Kadachi lock me and we're both at one, that's the card that I'm trying to pitch early and get in the late game against Ninja, because uh, it does deal one damage against a weapon attack on the defense. I mean, there's a lot more weapon attacking in Limited. I mean, you could kill Brute or Guardian with that card as well. Um, I like Steel Blade Shunt. I wouldn't even be opposed to running the Reds in Limited, personally, or even the Yellows, just because they're big block cards, they're efficient. Pitch pitching to block is not as bad in Limited as it is in um, constructed because again your opponent's not always able to like make a full five card hand sing so it's giving them some of that yeah. aggro pressure back you're probably going to catch it back at some point so this helps you like maneuver around some of that stuff um driving blade i think i would be okay with the red i think yellow would be the one i would steer away from the most because again we're thinking about breakpoints three is kind of in a weird spot because half the time it's really good half the time it's not really good but i mean if you're able to say hey i'm going to pitch a blue Give my Dawnblade plus three, come in for six. If it hits, go again. And you have any other card in hand or any other resource floating, which goes to that energy potion that you were about going to mention later. Now suddenly my opponent is faced with the decision of like, okay, I can either block with my nice shiny class cards that are how I'm supposed to be getting my tempo, or mm -hmm. I can let this hit me. And now suddenly you get go again, you get to attack me again. You're probably getting a Dawnblade counter. Um, neither of those are really great decisions for them, you know, and if they say, okay, I block this out, you're like, cool, I'll take this red card that I was going to pitch to swing and I'll arsenal it and pass, or even this yellow card that I was going to pitch to swing, arsenal it and pass, you know, suddenly you're, you're in the control seat, like making them make the bad decisions and then you get to respond 
efficiently, which is what's nice about Warrior. That's what you want to be doing as Warrior, right? I agree. Yeah, a lot of my the the only the only reason I think I've included a lot of blues here in in playing Warrior, I feel like it's more expensive than a lot of people it give is. credit for. Um, and and so once I've selected Warrior, my choice blues or my priority blues become become a lot more important, right? And I would like to see blue in Driving Blade, right? Like that's a priority blue for me, not because blue Driving Blade is the best version of Driving Blade always, but because like if I have a blue, that is a blue resource that does. A lot of different things for me instead of just being a resource right no it, it's um it's understandable um like i think warrior suffers from the same issue that lexi did in tales to like bring some similarity between the two sets where it's deceptively cheap because you're like oh hmm. i can def attack react attack react attack direct off a blue well you still haven't swung the dawn blade so you're wrong <laughs> um you right. know just because you have three attack reactions that cost one and you have a blue does not mean you get to play all those attack reactions this turn um, and if you have three red iron song responses in your hand, it doesn't really matter if they don't defend you at all. So I swing Dawn Blade for three. Okay, you have two red iron songs in hand. They're useless. They're a trash card. They can't do anything. They can. They um, can clog your hand, and you have to be careful about that. Yeah, I mean you can play it for no effect, but do you really want to burn a red, uh, a red card for that? Yeah. Which which becomes very difficult. So yeah, I even have Blue Iron Song response in this. Uh, Energy Potion is the only one I really, really did want to talk about here. It's rare that I will choose to take an item or a potion in Limited, uh, but I do feel like Warrior is one of those classes that has go again enough, um, that has the ability to gain that kind of thing enough, or that can afford to take a, a turn off. Like, I feel like Warrior is one of the few classes that if they get a little bit behind in tempo, they're they're one of the best at taking it back, right? And so Energy Potion actually did go on my list here, even though it doesn't block uh, for that two vital resources down the road. Uh, this is how I'm often playing my overpowers, my finishers, things of that nature. Right. Now, what I do want to say is, like, we have to remember that these Energy Potions are rare slots, so you're not always going to see them. And... I do tend to agree that Warrior is pretty good at taking back tempo, but you have to be careful about when you're taking back tempo. If you're sub-10, don't take a turn off to just play an energy potion hoping you're going to take back the tempo. That's probably going to require some life loss that you might not be able to really afford at that point. So just be careful. That's yeah. a careful point to our newer players. Uh, that's fair. You get down to four against Ninja, and you basically lost, right? Because you're you're in Razor Reflex death on every single Kadachi that they do. For sure. All right, do you want to take Brute as well? Or do you want me to jump back in? Uh, you know what? That's fair. I'll do, I'll do Brute, and then uh, I know I know you're going to definitely want Ninja uh, as your skill set there, and, and Guardian seems reasonable as well. I've been playing a lot of Brute recently. Sure. so. Uh, really, I, well I do want to mention something about Warrior before we go away from it, which is like strategies while playing it. A big thing of Warrior is you have these attack reactions, right? So, at certain points in the game, your opponent might be like, oh man, I can't afford to let this hit. I have to block like I think they're going to attack react me. And that might overblock. And then you don't have to play your attack reactions. So you might get to Arsenal, and you might just get a pass. You know, you're in the driver's seat. If that happens enough times, your opponent suddenly might be in a situation where it's like, oh man, I'm running out of cards in my deck. And so if you recognize that and are aware of that type of thing, you can actually fatigue your opponent as warrior. It happens a lot more often than you might suspect in limited. 
um, just because there's less cards. And if your opponent's suddenly going, okay, I'm going to block with three cards, that's a tenth of their deck that is just gone and they didn't get to pressure you with. So that's cards they spent that you now don't have to spend. So if oh, yeah. you played a card, and or even if you just swung the Dawn Blade and they blocked with three cards, like you pitched a card, they lost three cards. That's a huge deck swing. Yeah, if somebody blocks for nine and you can do ten or eleven, don't do that unless it's just to keep a Dawn Blade counter. Even then, think about that crucially. Yeah, you, you really want to think about like the card advantage that you're having in limited, especially if they're not going to be really swinging back at you. Because, like I said, it's actually Warrior is actually probably the best fatigue deck in some ways in limited, uh, just because they get to control that response so much. Um, Ninja's also very good at it, but you know everyone thinks Guardian is the fatigue deck. Not always. Not always. Yeah, everybody has that. Everybody has that option, but they just play a little bit different, right? For sure. And people don't expect it out of a Ninja or out of a, especially out of a Warrior. People don't expect it as much. All right, Brood it is. Uh, we'll get we'll get some uh, rampages going on. Mm -hmm. So early priority here, uh, I have heart and cross strap, but also bark bone strapping. I consider them equal here. Heart and cross strap is probably still slightly better in this scenario. It's a difficult choice for me because bark bone strapping does block. Uh, so I basically ended up considering them both equal as draft priority one. Once you've got it, just ignore the other. Uh, draft priority two in brute barraging beatdown. I prioritize yellow of barraging beatdowns just because the cost curve of the deck as a general rule. But all colors are amazing. Take all of them. Uh, Wrecker romp on this one. I agree with Drayton that Wrecker romp yellow is an amazing card. And so when we get into the actual class of it, I I include yellow in addition to blue instead of just blue like I did in the best early class cards. Um, another card that that we didn't really talk about here. So Primeval Bellow is something that I've included in the the Brute Priority list as number four. So Primeval Bellow is a nice buff card, and I didn't necessarily cover like what my goal was with Brute. But my goal with Brute is for like a single buffed attack per turn, uh, and heavily drafts and utilizes like the yellow balance in a Brute average two-card cost and their need for six strength. Like, Brute can definitely go wider, but it needs so many cards to make that work um, outside of, like, an aggression and romping can club control plan. And so that's kind of what I focused on here. I just think it's the easiest way to play Brute in limited. Uh, so let's say the Primeval Bellow here. I don't think I necessarily covered what that card did. Um, so I apologize for that. So Primeval Bellow is a zero-cost card. Uh, if it is a red, your next Brute attack this turn gains plus five. Uh, it does have to discard a random card, which is important to note, but since it's free, you're not struggling as much with your cost curve, and it gives plus 5, and it gives plus 5 to anything, including that Romping Club. So now you're coming in with a Romping Club, uh, likely for 4 plus 5 at 9. It could be even higher, depending on what you've got discarded there, and maybe an Intimidate because, uh, because of Brute's innate mechanics. So Primeval Bellow, just an amazing card in Brute, and one that we hadn't necessarily talked about. Yeah, I think that one point to mention to newer players is that you gotta, especially if you end up on the Brute, um, don't be afraid to swing your club. Like, be okay with that. Um, I personally do like Awakening Bellow um, as well. While it cannot affect the um, weapon, 
it does and it does cost one it doesn't require that discard so it can let you kind of more efficiently set up that boosted attack it also does have intimidate built in so you're still intimidating a card out of their hand making things uneasy for them because you know if you if they got only their resource cards in hand they still kind of have to block or you know have that awkward four card hand that's probably not doing as much as they want it to type scenario so you know i definitely think that well, I agree that that one is great because you can play it on the club. I think Awakening Bellow could could and can be in some situations just as good. You just have to be a little more careful about how you're playing it. Um, but both are going to kind of require a three-card hand, um, so you might have to arsenal it in order to get there. So just be, just, like, you're going to have to think about your lines a little more in Brute, but it's definitely something to be playable around. Um, another side point to Brute really quick is that you have a lot of these discard effects. They're going to remove decks from your cards from your deck really quickly if you can play an over 30 card deck i recommend it um i usually i think play 35 whenever i'm playing brute at least sometimes even yeah more. with brute i'll play all my playable yeah. cards 99 percent of the time i mean i've even i mean we even have one of our locals who likes brute a lot where there's been a draft where he was at like 33 and he was like i'm putting in two crack bobbles just because i want to hit 35 like sometimes those extra card numbers are that important to you um I don't know that I agree with that, but, but you know. I, I'm not saying I do either, but I, I'm just saying, like, it, you're going to lose if you run out of cards in your deck. And bad cards in your deck still get discarded just like other cards, so. <laughs> yeah, I get where you're coming from. Um, I, I don't include Awakening Bellow at all. It just doesn't buff enough for me. Um, and plus, I feel, like, I feel like you're never intimidating enough out of somebody's hand in this particular in Limited to make a huge difference, so I'd rather just swing as hard as possible and not care about what I intimidate and force them to block there or just leak damage. Right? No, I get you. Um, but a lot of what you talked about is a little bit of that variance in planning your hand. Uh, so that's actually... I think this is the only place that I include Hope Merchant's Hood on this particular list. Uh, but once you've drafted Brute, I think Hope Merchant's Hood is a very valuable card. Um, it gets rid of awkward hands. It allows you to discard as many... Or not discard... But reshuffle cards uh, into your deck and redraw. This can be, this can definitely be a win or loss for Brute. You can end up with such an awkward hand, uh, either the inability to pay for something or the inability to pitch, um, because of you're not having a card for discard. And so this is a huge deal for me. Um, I put it in number five. Yep, I I tend to agree. Uh, then the next one we haven't mentioned at all, uh, Smash Instinct here. I only included yellow. This card costs three, which is a little frustrating for me, uh, but yellow is the breakpoint of six, and it has that auto-included Intimidate, uh, which again is so, so, so important, right? Like, this card does not require you to discard another card to play it, uh, and it has Intimidate, and it hits your six cost for other Intimidated plays. Absolutely. Uh, so I like it a lot. I, I tend to agree. Um, I like all the Brute cards that don't require discard, just because they let you keep up that aggression without having to discard and couple nicely a few other cards. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I included Pack Hunt on the list. Pack Hunt is down on 15 for me, but that's that other one that you're mentioning, mm -hmm. right? Costs, well, it's also cheap, right? Costs, costs two, but only the red is really a six cost, so it's a little harder to really get there. Now in Limited, I'd probably play the yellows as well. Five's a good break point, especially if it Intimidate. Um, yeah. But it's not going to discard nicely, but you can pitch it intentionally. That's the big thing to remember as Brute is that while you can't always, you're not always going to be able to get your intimidated effects off. You're just going to have to live with that. But a lot of times you're going to be able to control that because if you 
pitch this card, play that card, suddenly you're in an okay spot. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just really quickly mention a couple of other things. So I've got Sink Below at 7. Uh, then Savage Swig is not something else we haven't talked about. This is a Brute's High Efficiency card. It's virtually the only thing that plays for 1. It also is a 1 for 7 at red. So yes, it requires you to discard a card, but 1 for 7 is... I mean, it's about as good as you get. Yep. Yeah, there's not a lot uh, of special included... stuff about this card, so... No, there's there's nothing there's nothing else to say about it. Uh, I always pause because I don't want to... Well, because I, I have my screen changed uh, so that I can see my lists, and I, I don't want to talk over you there. Uh, but it's easier with only two of us. Absolutely. I feel like it's hard, it's hard not to talk over each other sometimes. Uh, I include the Pummels in this deck as well. Pummels is very important for this. Again, I'm, I'm a high, big Romping Club build here. I do include the Yellow Flock of the Featherwalkers uh, in the list, which I think is maybe a little unique here. Uh, it, hit, it hits the resource curve, and it gets you like a Romping Club and a Tiny Attack, but it's hard to use, and so it's maybe the one thing that I would uh, that I may have overrated here because I have it at 11. But that's about all I have to say about Brute, unless you have anything else to add on on our list here. Um, again, everybody can see all yeah, the top. Not not particularly. I, I mean, I Brute's kind of nice because again, it's less drafted, so you're going to be a little more open. You're going to be able to control what you pick a little bit more. Agreed. All right, so, you want to take yeah, us into let's Ninja? go on into Ninja. So, you got Snapdragons, you got Leg Tap, you got Flick Flack. Again, I personally would put, because um, I don't see anywhere on here, um, Head Jab. I would personally put Head Jab up there just because, again, it synergizes with your Kadachis. And just anything with built-in Go again, as we've seen with Briar and Constructed, it's just strong. Because let's, let's say you have a handful of Head Jabs and one of them happens to be blue or yellow. Well, you pitch that one, you Kodachi twice, and then you come in with three more attacks. They only have, you know, four cards in hand. So either they're giving up their whole hand in blocks to block out and still taking a damage, or they're letting some things through. And that can let you combo into other things. So I, I just think that it has some nice flexibility. Throwing one in Arsenal is always nice. Um, again, it's not like my all-time favorite card, but I think it's a nice an okay trading card. Um, especially if you're efficiency with the Kadachis. Um, that being said, I do prioritize the red one and the blue one over the yellow, but that's just me. Um, we got Razor Reflexes. Um, you already including yellows here, which I agree. Like, again, like you can get to that break point a lot easier now. Um, Rising Knee Thrust. Uh, Whelming Gust Wave. I get a lot less of in limited i do that a lot less in limited uh ninja personally just because you need surging strikes to really make them hit that nice break point and be devastating um mm -hmm. i i honestly think that surging strike might be slightly higher up for me on the moment gust wave um, which i believe you have down at eight looks like i do yeah. or actually that's no, nine um, just because. So let me explain. Uh, Go ahead. Why? So so this is a so even a lot of ninjas class cards do not defend for three. Mm -hmm. A lot of ninjas class cards defend for two. Uh, so Whelming Gust Wave is my class card defends for three. Uh, pitches zero to enable my Kadachi Ego agains. Uh, so I'll take the red at three damage. And honestly, I could care less that I don't have the combo line nine nine times out of ten. Right? It's it's either three damage or it's enabling 
uh, enabling my Kodachis and blocking for three. So that's legitimately my only reason. Doesn't make it the right choice, but that, that is why I've evaluated it. I agree. Like, no, like, that is something that you have to, like, balance when drafting Ninja that a lot of people don't balance when drafting Ninja and then get hosed for, is they'll have only two blocking cards and suddenly they can't block efficiently. Um, the reason why I mentioned, like, and I wouldn't want a lot of Surging Strikes. Like, we, we had a local player who drafted, I think, like, seven surging strikes the other day that was oh, yeah. that was too many too many they're too expensive but two for five go again again synergizes nicely with what ninja's trying to do it's got a nice break point of five um so the red red surging strike i kind of like and then if they let it hit maybe then you go search up your one or two copies of um whelming gust wave and throw it at them the reason why i wouldn't personally put it so high is because I don't want people thinking like, hey, every time you see Whelming Gust Wave, grab it. Or every time you see, you know, Rising Knee Thrust, grab it. Like, definitely you want those leg taps and things like that. But you want to make sure you have an, a balanced deck to actually be able to do things as well as block and defend and things like that. So, um, Yeah, so much of this game is context. It, yeah, and that, that's what's hard about just takes a list this and list. Goes down it, yeah. Like, it's useful. It's useful. But it is a guideline, not a... I do think that breaking scales are one of the better pieces of equipment because just suddenly jumping over and doing one damage um, could literally win you a game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's... I, I, I think overall, like, Ninja, just remember you're going to lean into your Kodachis um, that you can get that kind of fatigue kill game plan. You're wanting to drive each other down to low health points as fast as possible so that way, you know, you're both at five and now you're in, you're in the driver's seat because Kodachis are annoying. Kadachis are annoying from a ninja player. I love it. I mean, hey, I, I identify as a runeblade player, sir. So I am That's I am fair. more annoying to most people because of that. You do play the the the, the two most annoying classes. We'll go with that. Ow, wow. Actually, can I get some I like guardian Blade hate and warrior hate in the comments? There won't be any warrior hate. Let's be honest. Um, there won't be any warrior hate. There's <laughs> all it, we're all fanboys. Deal with it. Anyway, I said we are all. So before we get before we get any. Before I get any messages <laughs> about that, I include myself. Yeah, he's a Dorinthia fanboy, everybody. Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, p- please don't message me about my hatred towards Dorinthia fanboys. It's not true. He is one. Anyway, let's move on to Guardian. Um, Hard and Crash Trap. I mean, we've already talked about this card so much. It's it's just so yeah. good. Um, Stash Response, Immovable. We've already talked about how you don't really have a solid game plan for just hard fatiguing as... Bravo, so including those defense reactions, super important if you want to go that route. I definitely would say, like, don't try and force a fatigue game plan with Bravo. Um, and don't force his ability either. Like, getting cards out of hand, just as important as getting damage through. Um, Goliath Gauntlet helps with that. Pummels help with that. Helm of Lives and Peak. We were talking about how that's an underrated card in a lot of our eyes. Um, disables. Um, you're including Disable Blue. I would honestly look at all of them because while they cost five, their hit effect is top tier. Taking the Arsenal card and putting it to the bottom of your opponent's deck um, ruins their game plan. And if you're already committing to pitching big numbers, you might. If you're already pitching, are uh, dedicated to pitching two cards, you might as well pitch two cards, right? So, you know, with a blue and a yellow, you can get this card off. Um, gets a little trickier from there, but even pitching a blue and two reds is not the worst thing in the world if you happen to see it at the right time. Um, 
I like to threaten pummel. That's my main difference here. So that five is so difficult. I like those four four cost breaks, so I can still pitch to you and threaten pummel. I get it, but um, there's there's a lot of times where you're not pitching blues anyways. So I totally understand. Um, the one card that's it's much lower down, but I just want to talk about it really quick is slogism for me personally. Um, be careful about this card. And now we're talking about the blue one, which I know you're talking about mostly for pitching, but I want to just make sure our listeners are aware that like. You have to be careful with Slogism. You're probably almost never playing it to actually attack. It's just in there to pitch and block because realistically, you're never going to be able to pay nine in a single turn. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, it happens on a blue moon, but a, it's very rare. It's a really good call out. Um, it's on the list because it costs it costs enough to trigger Anathos, yep. right? And it's a blue. And it has a good block. Right. Well, it so, has two block. It's still two block. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like it's, it's got it, it's got three uses. Yeah. I, but no, I'm not playing the card. Right. But I, I want to make sure that our listeners are aware of that because they might look at that. And go, oh, so I play slogisms. Got it. Um, no, you're. No, nah, it's a good. It's a good point. Like I mean, that's not to say that I have never drafted a red slogism in Guardian, and I've definitely played a red slogism Guardian, but it was my first turn, so it was like. Two yeah. blues, a red slogism, and a red attack. Cool. I'm just going to come in for this big atrocious number and rip every card out of your hand and also get some damage through. So, all right. Well, I think that kind of covers most of it. Um, I think it does. I think it does. Sorry. Uh, we, we'll, we have a we have a guest appearance, so I'm on video today. But, uh, but yeah. All yeah. right. Sorry, my, my wife had just jumped in here and said, said hi. Okay, so. that's, my cat jumped in front of my camera again, so, you know. Well, so we have a lot of guest appearances. My dogs have not appeared here. Uh, I, I do. I think we're kind of wrapped on this. Uh, we will answer questions if people message us about them, and we can be messaged through Facebook and things of that nature. Uh, other than that, I think we're going to cap this one off with a thanks for listening. You know, we've been Kadachi for three or Kadachi for two, if you really want to consider us minus Shay today. We're going to actually come out with two videos this week uh, and two podcasts this week, and that's going to include Shay on the other one where we're going to talk a little bit about your matchups and identifying your role in the matchups. So I think both of these are going to be uh, very viable for people moving into some competitive play. Uh, so to keep up with us outside the podcast, uh, find us on Facebook at Kadachi for three, and you'll also be eligible for any giveaways and things like that. As we go forward there, that's just the easiest place to track you. Uh, we do have a lot more podcast followers than Facebook followers, but we just, we can't reach you that way. So as always, this podcast is sponsored by Edmund unplugged in Oklahoma, and it's the home store of all your hosts. Thanks again for listening. And enjoy playing in the flesh and blood. Thanks for listening and being a part of the flesh and blood community. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please share us, leave us a like or a review. If you want to engage with us directly, please find us on Facebook at Kadachi43. And remember, we are available for download on all major podcast providers. Thanks again for listening and we will see you again in two weeks. Until then, enjoy playing Flesh and Blood.